is The MS Show, the weekly podcast for people impacted by multiple sclerosis and home of the MS Action Takers. I'm Bron Webster and I've been living with MS over 25 years. Together with MS experts and real life people with MS, I'll be sharing tips and stories that will help when the MS gets real and inspire you to be an MS action taker and get in charge of your MS life. So today I'm really pleased to be talking with a great lady, Maddie Baxter, who is relatively newly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and has been on the stopping work slash retiring with MS. She's been on that episode as well. But what we're looking to do now is to take that question or those questions that arise when you're fairly newly diagnosed and the question of work crops up and what does it look like in the future. So Maddie, thanks ever so much for joining me. That's okay, Bron, thanks for having me. So let's see where this takes us, shall we? Yeah. So I know you said this on the other episode, but just in case somebody is listening to this separately, how long is it since you got your diagnosis? Uh, I literally got um, formally diagnosed in, I think it was April, so about two months ago. Um, Crikey. Yeah. So um, it all started, so to be honest with you, it started before Christmas. I was, you know, like the rest of the world, working from home because of COVID. And I was really struggling to sort of concentrate. And um, my legs were feeling really stiff as well. So like, you know, when I got up to go to the loo, when I was working, my legs felt really stiff. But I put it down to um, not doing as much exercise as I had been because of COVID and um, sort of like the lockdown blues that everyone was getting. So I was just like, just put it down to that. And then uh, beginning of January, my taste buds went a bit funny. So I'm like, oh, oops, COVID. Went and got a COVID test, came back negative. And then a couple of days later, I started getting numbness on my cheek and um, ended up go, going to the hospital. And they thought I'd had a stroke, gave me a CT scan. And um, then they put me through for emergency MRI. And it was like, good news is you haven't had a stroke, but there is information on the brain. I'm referring you to the neurologist. And I was like, information on the brain, what the heck is that? Because obviously you don't know anything about it. Yeah. And the um, consultant who told me that said, it's not cancer or it doesn't look like cancer. So don't worry about that. It could be something like MS. So that was one of the first things they said. So I had it in my head that it could be MS. And then a couple of uh, MRI blood tests, a lumbar puncture later. And um, it's all been formally diagnosed now. So I'm just waiting for... Um, a decision to be made about treatment at the moment so I'm in that waiting stage of um, the consultant having to talk with his peer group about my case and before we then look at treatment options so um, but I have uh, had more um, legions since the original MRI because I had a gap because I had the original MRI and then I had the MRI with um, dying it and in that sort of couple of yeah the time there's more lesions so it sounds like it's pretty active my ms so i think i'll be going looking at some of the more stronger 
sort of treatment options. So yeah, yeah that's where I am. And then um, I, I've, I've always um, been a fan of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So when I got diagnosed, um, my first thought was, oh, I wonder if there's a podcast on MS. And that's where I discovered the MS show. And I've been listening to that to, and it's really helped me to um, understand MS, hear different people's story. And it's been a, it's been kind of like one of the things that's been most beneficial to me in my uh, very, very short journey so far in the MS world. <laughs> but I am so, I'm really pleased to hear that. And that is the exact purpose of the podcast, yeah. really, is for people to find it and then hopefully get what they need to get yeah. them through or give them inspiration to do something yeah. and change things, whatever it might be. But I'm very conscious that this is all still relatively, well, yeah. this is really new for you. Yeah. Um, and I, what I think will be really interesting is if we can talk specifically about at what point did you go off sick and then at what point did you begin to think about what your working future may or may not change? So how long after going on sick, how long after that did it all sort of start whirling around in your head with questions? Well, I, I originally went sick for a few days because I thought before I got the numbness, I woke up one night with a bad headache and then um, I had got the numbness. So I went off sick for a couple of days um, but then went back to work for a few days and then that's when I went to the doctor and got sent to the hospital and the whole, oh, we might think I've had a stroke thing. So then I was off sick again, so I got, again, um, for a few months after that, um, waiting for the diagnosis and I, I've always been a bit of a career girl. So I was a bit like, I can't sit around doing nothing. And in my head, I think I've got to get back to work. I've got to get back to work. You know, I'm being lazy, sitting around feeling sorry for myself, got to get back to work. So once I got the formal diagnosis, so I knew what it was and what we were dealing with, um, I spoke to occupational health and then got my doctor to um, put me back to work on a phase return. Thinking, yeah, you know, I've, I, you know, cause I've been diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS. The numbness in my face has gone. I mean, it's still a little bit here and there, but the, it, nowhere near as bad as what it was. So I'm thinking, right. I had a relapse, it's remitting now, all right, this is what I've got to deal with, I'm going to get back to work, I'm going to deal with this, it's fine, it's all going to be fine, and then I lasted two and a half weeks at work on a phased return, so just doing like basically mornings, and the stress of work combined with the fatigue and the fact that my brain just wasn't working like it normally would, um, I found frustrating, so that added to the stress and the anxiety, and I was like, I can't do this. And so I got signed off again, and that's when I started thinking a bit like, when you say, like, shit gets real, that, I think that was one of the moments, I'm not sure there's many of those moments still to come, but it was one of those moments like, ah, okay, I can't, as much as I want to try and pretend that I can go back to normal and that I can deal with this and that I'm strong and, you know, I think like, mm, maybe I need to rethink how I'm thinking. So, and it's really hard because... There's people with MS who do have a career and do go to work. Like I'm aware of somebody in it who in MS who um, who's a project manager who she has MS. She was diagnosed about six seven years ago and continues to work. And it's like it's learning that everyone's different and that just because one person does something doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. 
and that's really kind of like something I'm kind of having to come to terms with because again being a bit career girl and not exactly competitive but sort of like used to push myself used to trying to sort of like not necessarily be the best but push myself to my limits and if I'm the thing well if they can do it and they can do it why can't I do it and so I think I finally got my head around the that it's okay to think about different options um and yeah I'm just at that moment where it's thinking what are those options and also like I said because I haven't got treatment started yet I don't know what impact treatment is going to have because I've had a lot of people say to me oh um yeah once you get treatment sorted you'll feel fine and and I'm thinking I'm not sure that's quite how MS works so I think I'm yeah, some, I mean some treatments I'm do yeah. make make a massive benefit and have yeah. a big impact whereas others work more on keeping things at bay yeah without necessarily seeing the positive improvements and I think it's everything is so individual yeah because we've all got these scars in our brains at yeah. slight minutely different places and the jobs that we do and the stresses that come with them are all individual to what we do yeah. So you marry those two together, nobody's going to be the same. No. Nobody's yeah. facing the same set of circumstances at yeah. all. Um, but comparisonitis, comparing yourself yeah. to other people, is a difficult thing. Yeah. And if that's something that, you know, typically you do, I do. Uh, I compare myself to how I was before MS even. It's something that it doesn't necessarily go away. It's just that you get used to hearing the voice in your head yeah. that's, that's doing that comparison um, and learn to discount it almost. Yeah. So what sort of things popped into your head? Um, it's, I think it's like not knowing what the future is. So like it's all these questions that can't be answered and no one can answer it for you. And that's the bit that I'm finding the most frustrating, which I'm sure everyone does. Um, so again, it's like, if I go on treatment, what's that going to be like? And then even if treatment magically, obviously it won't cure it, but magically makes me feel like I'm almost back to my normal self, is then even so, if this is a progressive disease, and if at some point I may progress, do I really want to spend what time I have left feeling good, slaving away in a stressful job and working in a stressful job is that going to make things even worse anyway? So it's really making me question about how I live my life and what my options are and what priorities are. And I think the priorities I had before this this year, you know, and I think a lot of people have had that with the COVID and lockdown. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's, very, it's really weird that this is happening to me personally at a time when it's happening to the nation. That's a yeah. change as well. But um, yeah, it's that... Do I, do I want to, the life that I thought I would have sort of six months ago, a year ago, do I want that life? What kind of life do I want for myself and my husband? And yeah, so it's really making me sort of think about things a lot. Yeah, yeah. I can tell it is doing. And I think, is your husband sort of amenable to changing the priorities between yes. you? So if, if, you, if you said, actually, I'm going to, quit work I want to change and focus on 
xyz because that's what yeah. my priorities are is he on board and he's by your side on all of that yeah i mean funnily enough we had this discussion last night because I, I was sort of saying to him um because i sort of when we last when we last spoke i mentioned i'm thinking about sort of starting up my own bookkeeping company but i think to do that i'm going to need to take a bit of time out to um, do a few courses and apply for my practice certificate and um i said to him you know there may be a, you know i might have to take a bit of time out to do those courses and he was like yeah if that's what what you want to do then he was fine with it so that you know he's really laid back my husband to be fair so you know <laughs> you're the you're the driver are you exactly yeah so um he's pretty much do whatever you whatever you you want you know if, if you could afford to do it then you know go ahead so i've been very i'm very fortunate from that point of view that i've got a very supportive husband so yeah. um and, the, and it's actually had some good things because um one of the um, things we're thinking about is moving down to cornwall and we've got a big gamage and my husband it's basically my husband's man cave and it's we've been in our house 10 years and it's full of absolute rubbish to the point where even though we've got a big double garage i've had i've put a shed in the garden to put my gardening tools in because I couldn't I was sick of climbing over all this rubbish in the garage to get to my gardening tools and um and put out back of my head I think oh if we move down to Cornwall we, we're gonna sell the house I mean he's gonna have to sort that blooming garage out and I was thinking I was dreading it and I didn't I hadn't even spoke to him about it said anything to him about it and he literally last weekend started clearing it out himself and said if we're gonna be moving down to Cornwall I'm gonna need to clear it out so you know that's how much he's we're on the same page from that front so um, yeah which is really helpful you know really absolutely easy. yeah um and so from a financial perspective I guess from what you're saying that the financial side of giving up your work and your career is something that you can cope with yeah we a, are we are from a finance point of view um as, as, uh, as I said before, um, we fortunately, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, when my grandparents passed, we got a sort of fair, fair sized inheritance. So we use that to buy a little flat down in Cornwall, and we do have a bit of money in savings. So we do have a bit of breathing space to take. So if I want to take a couple of years out and think about what I want to do, we're fortunate that I can. Um, I'm only, well, I'm nearly 40, so we've still got a lot of fingers crossed life left in us. So I wouldn't want to sit on my bum all day doing nothing but at least gives us that bit of breathing room to think about what I want to do and if I have to work part-time or start my own business and only take on a few clients just to kind of give me a bit of pocket money that is something that we are in a fortunate position that we can do yeah and I think that that varies for lots of people yeah. and I know we were talking and there, there were people on the, the sort of panel session that we had and it wasn't quite the same for them, you know. Finances yeah. Yeah. were not quite, um, not as not quite as strong. I'm also in a position where I've got quite a lot of flexibility on the financial side, which has made the decisions so much easier. So yeah. I think that's an important thing to emphasise: is that we can, as the two of us are yeah. talking about this, we are approaching this through the lens of not having to worry too much about the financial aspect yeah and for other people who might be in different situations different sets of circumstances I absolutely get that 
that might be the biggest barrier mm. towards giving up work, towards slowing yes. down and towards changing what you do. So I don't want to minimise yeah. that consideration. Yeah, I mean, I'm fully appreciative that we're extremely lucky and it has crossed my mind several times thinking if we didn't have this, you know, and I was worrying when we're having to worry about keeping a roof over our head and food on the table, I, can, I can't even imagine, to be honest with you. And I know there are people out there who are in that situation and hats off to them, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah, you feel like you've got to work, you've not got yeah. a choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. No matter what the stress might be doing to the health and all the Exactly, rest of it. yeah. Yeah, so, um, so we are obviously talking about it with that as the starting point yes. um in terms of where we're at so we're not able to necessarily have that in-depth discussion yeah. um because that's very individual yeah so um so you've already started thinking about your priorities and you said about not wanting to use your good days and your good energy grafting yeah <laughs> and getting, doing a stressy job yeah. um and you know thinking about what's important to you when you've started sounds like you've started already working through yeah. all of that and I'm um, starting to notice like on a like even on a any given day now it's like I'm aware that I've only got so much energy and you think well what am I going to do with that energy and so that's making me prioritize things in my day as well and I'm thinking you know yeah there's certain housework that has to be done but do I have to do that today or you know and it's you it's funny how you really just start seeing it, things from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Because you're aware that you've only got so much energy and what do you want to do with that energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And that's kind of what took me to the decision of stopping my career. So you've obviously, you've been through, it sounds like, a lot of considerations already in terms of yeah. you started thinking about priorities and do you want to spend your good days if it is progressive and it's going to things are going to get, are going to get more challenging? Do you want to spend it at work, yeah. um, or do you want to do something that you love to do yeah. instead? Um, so, have you have you thought about have you heard of something called ikigai? No, no. So that is a Japanese philosophy. And so it's like it's like a Venn it's like a Venn diagram. So Ikigai is like a Venn diagram, and you've got these circles that overlap, and you've got what do you love, what are you good at, what can you be paid for doing, and what does the world need. So those are four sort of circles. Oh, I don't know if you're going to middle where they all cross. Oh yeah, Ikigai. Yeah, and there's lots of um, sort of other interlocking sections as well where when the love crosses over with what you're good at, that's when your passion comes into play. And when what you're good at crosses over with what you can be paid for, that's when your profession yeah. is at play. Um, and it's just trying to find this, what is in the middle and what is your ikigai. And I know that there is a book, by whoever it's by but it's a Japanese philosophy and I just like it as a diagram as a way to think about things quite simply yeah like going through those four circles yeah. um and this is something that 
whether you've got MSR or not, it can just help to think about, actually, where can I take my future? Yeah. And that's a nice start point. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of working out what I'm able to do with the MS because that's the sort of scary thing for me as well is like um, when we were chatting to Roger yesterday about um, where he'd tried different jobs and hadn't found, you know, no longer works because he can't find a job that he's able to do with his MS. And that's my sort of fear is trying to do things and not being able to do them. And then, um, you know, like I, I can have all these grand plans for setting up my own business and stuff, but what if I can't physically manage that? And then it's like, well, what then? You know, so that, that they're the sort of, sort of, that sort of thought, those sort of thoughts are going around my head as well at the moment. And again, it's that nobody knows, nobody can tell me because it's so different for everyone else. And that's just a hard thing because I am a sort of like a planner. I like to aim for things and it's, hard to know I've got nothing to aim for really because I don't know what I'm capable of aiming for at the moment so that's a real sort of like messing with my head a bit at the moment as well so yeah that's a big mindset shift isn't it yeah yeah um, and this stuff is not easy and I have you know retrained tried something and then realized that I couldn't do that yeah so I then investigated okay what else can I do and then I started doing that Um, and I might still come back to that but then I thought actually this is where my passion is offering something that helps the MS community so I went with the passion I think I looked at the ikigai and and decided I need to look at the passion bit because actually the money side of it is not the most important Um, and I think for me as well is that not wanting to let people down like I might really want to do something, but if I can't do it to a good enough standard because of my MS, it's like well, I might want to do that, but if it's letting other people down because I'm not being able to perform how they need me to perform or to turn up on the days they need me to turn up or whatever, then then it's that thing of that again that sort of guilt and that feeling like I'm not being able to give what's needed and. Yeah, so trying to find that sort of like work that not only are you able to do, but you're able to form to a standard that satisfies yourself as well as other people and that you're not going to be letting people down by, you know, ringing in sick every other day because you're fatigued or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, so that's part of my thought around starting up my own business and things, well, I've got so many people that I can let down but then I'm still, I'd still have clients and they would still have needs and will I be able to deliver those needs? But I guess you're not going to know unless you give it a go. That's exactly. Out, isn't it? Yeah. And so if you were going to do something on a self-employed basis, which means you were going to get some clients, yeah. you were going to get some clients that are your clients, you are their go-to person. Yeah. If you then can't support it. Yeah. It might be worth then just lining up your backup person that is yes. somebody that you trust that you can then say, look, at the minute X, Y, Z is happening. Yeah. So maybe at the minute, if you want to go and speak to my colleague. Yeah. So it's about 
it's always, I think, with MS, it's about giving yourself a safety net. Yeah. And it's the safety net for you rather than, yes, it's ultimately going to be for your clients, but it's doing it for you. Yeah. It's getting that safety net in place so that you know that you can try this and that if shit happens, yeah. then you can still put things in, pre- in place yeah. to help. So that means that you don't have to necessarily worry yeah. too much about, well, what if? Yeah. You know, what if this and, you know, and the other happened? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's thinking about all the what if situations. Yeah. And I think as, as well as like, you talk about like putting yourself first, which is not something I'm used to doing, you know, and it's that sense of, okay, I need to build a life myself that protect, like you said, protects me, gives me that safety net, gives me the support I need. But then I feel like, I know, and I know you, you shouldn't feel selfish, but that is a different mindset for me because I'm normally the person who will do anything for anyone else and yeah. doesn't take a lot of care of myself. And my husband's exactly the same as well. We're very much like, you know, oh, you want to help moving? Yeah, we'll do that. You know, you want to help doing this? Oh, yeah, we'll come around and help you do that. And now I'm thinking, well, actually, what help do I need? And what do I need to put in place? And allowing myself to do that and not feel guilty. And, you know, and that's another sort of like hurdle that I need to... Uh, yeah, that is a massive hurdle, the asking for help. Um, and mm. the depending on somebody, anybody to help. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is that is another massive mindset shift. So yeah. there's so much that is wrapped up in that diagnosis stage of going through everything and all the yeah. thoughts that you've got and all the concerns that you've got. Actually, many people that you talk to that live with MS will say, I've become a better person because of it. Yeah. Um, and I can say I've become a better person because of it, because mm. I don't think I used to really give two shits about anybody. Yeah. Well, I've um, noticed that I'm really thinking now about, like, I used to be quite a quick water, walker. So if people are walking slow in front of me, I'll be like, Ugh! or if you're driving along and somebody crosses the road in front of you and then walks really slowly across the road and you're like, Ugh! but now I'm like, I'm the person walking slowly down the road. And when I cross the road, I forget that I can't walk as quick as I used to. So your judgment of where the car is, you think, oh, I can, you know, you think, oh, yeah, cross the road, I can nip across the road. And then you're like, oh, crap, no, I can't. And, yeah, and I am that person. That person. So it's really making me see other people differently, you know, yeah. and not get so frustrated with, you know, people who walk slowly and, you know, people who swim slowly in the swimming pool. And because you think that, you know, but before where they used to just frustrate me, now I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm seeing like the world from different eyes. So that's been quite a yeah. change in my mindset. Yeah, because it's not all, there is a lot of negative stuff that goes with it, but at yeah. the same time, you are personally going through a change. Yeah. And a different a different person will emerge yeah. when you've sort of been going through this change. And like I say, many, many people despite all the challenges do say they think they're a better person yeah. and actually if they had the choice 
they can't imagine not having MS because they've got used to living with the uncertainty and they're and this me personally I'm happier with the fact that I've got more empathy for other people that might be encountering difficulties yeah so yeah Yeah. this is a this is a wonderful community from that point of view yeah yeah Um, even though it's a bit of a rubbish diagnosis and there's so much that you're thinking about I think you're asking all the right sorts of questions you're thinking about all the right sorts of things but it all does come to it all does come down to prioritizing every little thing from the minute you wake up yeah everything you do throughout the day um and then thinking about next week next month next year I've been used um, to ticking things off your to-do list. Like I did, I've done nothing today other than lay on the sofa, have a nap, go for a little walk, and that's all I've done today. And like I had this, I've got this little to-do list to in the book that I'll kind of tick a few bits off each day, just to kind of give me something to do. And because that's the sort of person I am, I'm a, I, I like my lists, as my husband always takes the out off for. And like I've ticked absolutely nothing off the, off of that list today, and it's like. I'm okay with that. And that's something that in the past I'd be I'd be beating myself up over. Staying up late, getting, exactly. getting something like, done. You know what? I've sat on the sofa today because I felt like pants today, and that's okay. And you know, and I did apologize to my husband when he came in because obviously, you know, I feel bad that he's going out to work every day and I'm, you know, off sick. And he said, what, what you got to apologise for? You've sat on the sofa all day, so what sort of thing? So he was kind of like, yeah, I did say to him, I'm sorry I didn't get around to cleaning the bathroom today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what are the important things in life? Yeah. And, I mean, that's something I've learned sort of like very, very, you know, like I said, this will, this will be very new to me. And um, it's something I've kind of like had to learn very quickly, but I'm sort of getting there. Like, a few months ago, I was like in despair, <laughs> And I was just like, I mean, I'm not, I'm quite a strong person anyway, to be honest with you. And a lot of my friends said, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're rock this, you know, you, you won't let it get to you. And at the time I was like, oh, no, but I think I might have found the one thing that's beaten me. <laughs> and then I, I, I sat in despair for sort of like a couple of weeks. And then it was like, come on, girl, get off your ass. Let's do something, you know, let's do what yeah, you yeah. And so over the last sort of like couple of months, I've gradually kind of like, got used to looking off myself, not feeling guilty about things, not worrying too much about when I go back to work, if I go back to work, what work will be like when I go back. I thought, I'm thinking, you know, get treatment sorted first, then cross that bridge when you come to it. And and sort of just a slower way of thinking and a slower pace off, because I can't think quickly anymore anyway because of MS, but it's getting used to that, thinking things more slowly. And, yeah. Uh, to think about life in a slower way yeah but appreciating yeah, appreciating what is around us yeah exactly like walk, when you when i'm walking i can't walk as quick as i used to but i'm not like just like head down going from a to b i'm a bit more like walking slowly enjoying the things that you know people other people you know watching other people walk past enjoying the scenery Try not to enjoy yeah. it too much because then I end up walking sideways or whatever, <laughs> and going off course. Because like, if I forget to concentrate on walking, <laughs> so it's 
I've got to get that balance and I have to learn to, but you know, sometimes yeah. I forget and just go, oh, look, there's a nice tree. Oh, oh no, thanks for walking again. <laughs> oh. but, um, Can I just come back and ask you about um, how was it for you when you were telling work? It was, well, because I was, I was off sick anyway because of numb cheeks, so they knew I had the issue with the numb cheeks, so they were kind of like aware of what was going on right from the beginning. And um, because it, I feel, because I've since learned that a lot of people go years before they get their diagnosis and presenting themselves to the doctor and the doctor fobbing them off and whatever. And for me, I did not have the foggiest until I got the, you know, the diagnosis. So it was all a bit of a short, sharp shock to me. Yeah. At the time felt really horrible. But now when you hear other people's stories, you think, well, actually, I'm much, I'm glad it happened this way and not the other way. But because of that and because it all happened very quickly like work were fully aware that I was going to hospital and that I, they thought I'd had a stroke and stuff so they were kind of on board from the beginning so I, it wasn't really kind of a big reveal to work because they were you know they were kind of like with me through the process almost like at the end of the phone um and work I work for local authority and they have been brilliant to, to their due They've not put any pressure on me or anything. And they've been the ones that have been telling me, rest up, rest up. And I was the one that's saying, when I get back to work, I'm going to come back to work, when I get back to work. And all my sort of like colleagues, my friends at work, my managers were saying, only come back when it's right for you. Take your time, look after yourself. Your health is more important. And um, it wasn't until kind of like I came back on that faith return and then went off and I was a bit like, no, I'm push- I'm, I was the only one who was pushing myself. Yeah. So unfortunate that I have had a real support, I've had a lot of support around me. Um, and it's really just been myself to get my head around it. Um, in terms of my options going forward, I don't know. I think they'll be supportive whatever I decide. So again, that you know, I'm sort of don't I bet it still feels scary that if I do decide to give up work or if I do decide to go part-time, again, that's a big change for me in my head. Yeah. So I think it's going to be more of an issue for me than it will be for work. Yeah. So it's you're going to be sort of doing some work on your own expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Of yourself. Yeah. And again, it's that fear of letting people down. But then work all saying, you know, look after yourself. You know, your health comes first. Even though I know that they've got staffing issues at work anyway. So it's the last thing they need me is for me to be off sick and... I can't imagine what stresses they're going through and dealing with, but you know, and it's taken me, it's taken me a good, took me a long time to stop thinking about work. Like the first few weeks I was off, you, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, this has got to be done. That's got to be done. There's this deadline. There's that, that deadline. And I've let go. about, yeah. And that's, I think that was a big change as well. When I went back that and then went off again I think at that point I was like okay you need to focus on your health you need to let work go you need to you know so so everyone was right and I was the one who who was like you know everyone's saying take you know don't come back yet it's too soon and I was like no 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 and then I was like okay you're all right I'm wrong (laughs) yeah I was wrong (laughs) I need to go off sick again (laughs) but I think I needed to do that to prove it to myself yeah because now I feel like I don't feel like I'm slacking or playing the sick or whatever because I know I went back, tried going back to work and I know the impact it had on me sort of physically and mentally. And it's like, no, I cannot let myself go through that. 
at least yeah. he's got treatment sorted. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's the next big, big yeah. hurdle on the horizon for you, isn't it? It's getting yeah. well, whatever treatment I, options come your way. Yeah, and I think, you know, because I know there's some side effects that people get and not all treatments always work. So, again, that's a long journey. And I think that's, again, something that I'm having to educate other people around me because they're all like oh you get treatment sorted you'll be fine and it's like well it's not as simple as that you know I could get go on treatment and six months later I could find it's not working I have to go on something else I could have side effects and so it's such a long process and like my mum and my husband are both getting very frustrated bless them because they're like why is it taking so long it's taking so long it shouldn't be taking this long and they're kind of like getting frustrated for me and I'm like you look at all the MS you know Facebook groups or whatever and everyone says it takes this long you know it's not it's not that I'm being treated any differently from anyone else there's this whole process I've got to go through so I need to just take each day as it comes and let the process ride its way out but then I have my mum and my husband saying it's taking too long chase them up chase them up <laughs> and it is hard it's hard for those around us yeah yeah stand by and not be able to do anything yeah yeah and so especially um, when they sort of see me struggle like today i've not had a very good day today and um, my husband was kind of complaining about they're still not sort of you know got back to you about the treatment it's like because i'm waiting for my consultant to talk to his peer group about me and i can't remember what they call their thingy which he has to do before i can then discuss treatment and he's not got that till next week so i said to my husband i can ring them now they're not going to be able to tell me anything until after next week. There's just no point. I've just got to sit and, you know, wait. And then it's like, well, you've you've had more, you know, your scans are showing more relapses, you know, the sooner you get on treatment, the better. Why is it taking so long? And I was like, it's just got to go through the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very it's a hard thing, just yeah. waiting. Yeah. Waiting for the next step along that process. Yeah. And I think for me as well, it's knowing at what point am I if you know at what point is it like okay this is it this is what I'm dealing with because at the moment obviously I'm not on treatment I've clearly had a few more relapses you know and got a few more lesions and so I don't quite know what my future of living with MS is going to be like because obviously if I go on treatment and I stabilize what symptoms I'm going to be left with and then it's like okay this is what I'm left with this is what I've got to deal with this is what I'm working with but I don't know what that's going to be. And I don't know when I'll be at that point. Again, because treatments might not work, I might have side effects. And I think that's frustrating for me as well, because if I know what I'm working with, it gives me a bit of a better idea of having some kind of action plan. But at the moment, it's like, you know, how I feel now, is that what I'm going to feel like for the rest of my life? Or will I feel a bit better and therefore able to do a bit more? Or will I feel a bit better for a bit and then go get worse again and I said nobody knows I don't know nobody knows tell me nobody knows you know and I went three years and then got better after three years oh well anything you read does not talk I'm not saying I got better better but I improved from where I dropped to it took three years and you that's not something you read about or hear about yeah but I say that part of that is down to my own determination. Yeah. You know, and and not letting things rest. Yeah. And striving to 
find another way to get something yeah. to help. Um, so a strong mindset and physical activity, I yeah. think, really important. Yeah. And I think, it, like I said, it's difficult, you know, not only for me, but like my nearest and dearest and work and everything, because if you break your leg, you go to the doctor's, they put it in plaster, say, right, you're in plaster for six weeks and then you'll be back on your feet. Or even, on, I know from your podcast, one that you've had cancer and I've had relatives who had cancer, and even cancer, it's an awful, awful thing to have. But as, if it's a fairly common one, it's like, okay, this is what we're going to need to do. You're going to need this operation. You'll be on chemo for six months, a year, whatever. And this is what your outlook will likely look like. But with this, there's nothing. So that, you know, and you can't just go and take a pill to make you feel better. You can't. And that's really, I think, hard for myself and my family to deal with because there are no answers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so difficult. And having been on the cancer journey, yes, it was all consuming at the time. But eventually, when I got out through the other side, the thing I'm left with is the MS. Yeah. Yeah. And that that becomes focal point and the sort of where you where you put all your attention and where you prioritize every little thing that you do everything that you eat everything that you don't do yeah and it's focused on my ms it's not yeah i forget about the fact i've even had cancer yeah because it's the ms that is there yeah yeah it it does subside but i think because every day i wake up and think Oh, my legs are working how are yeah. they you know and because it's the uncertainty of the unknown every day yeah it, like so it's that like fun of getting up in the morning and like how am I feeling today and like, yeah. I know it's going to be a bad day when I turn around in, he- in bed and the room spins that's when I was like yeah today's gonna be a bad day if it doesn't yeah. spin I think it might not be a too bad day today <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so and it's just you know it, it's getting used to that um living with the unknown and it is so difficult to do and I just think the whole MS community are amazing because of what we're all dealing with yeah you know we're all getting on with it and I am Um, quickly finding that they're the ones that truly understand it you know when you know you say you've kind of feel fatigued or you feel like your legs are wobbly they know exactly what you're talking about yeah and you know that's quite a comfort because I, I can explain it to so I, my dearest and dearest and um but they actually get it you know well everyone you know they, they try to understand and I think they do to a certain extent but um, nobody really gets it until they've got it uh, until they've actually got yeah. it for themselves yeah and it, it's just it's so strange that like you can change within the day as well so you can have good days and bad days but you can change within the day as well it's like a bit you're having like a day where I feel absolutely rubbish and it gets about four o'clock in the more afternoon and I'm a bit more like oh I'm feeling a bit more active now absolutely again, absolutely you can't predict from one day to the next no. what, it's gonna, what you're gonna have so it's mm-hmm. uh it's definitely an interesting uh, disease <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not something that you'd wish on anybody no but it is an intre- it is yeah. bloody interesting. Yeah. It like leaves, you, leaves you guessing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this is quite a difficult and challenging question. But if you weren't doing the work that you do, what would your kind of ideal life look like? That's a tough one. Because honestly, I'm not sure. Because part of me is like, 
you know, sitting on the beach, chilling out, but I know I would get bored and kind of like my career and stuff, you, you just thought like it's something I've fallen into sort of thing. So it's not something I've really necessarily, I'm not being one of those people where this is what career I want to do in life and aim for it. It's kind of like came out of uni, thought, mm, what am I going to do in my life? Oh, I'll try being an accountant and then got a job as a trainee accountant and that, that was it, that sort of thing. So I've never really thought about what would I really want to do in life mm. if I had the choice. So um, I've always fancied being a lorry driver <laughs> because because I'm only five foot two. I always thought it'd be, and, and obviously female, I always thought it'd be quite funny to be a lorry driver. So you turn up and like this little five foot two lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving with some sort of my, my music kind of like on the right you know blaring out sort of things so I thought that'd be quite <laughs> yeah but only if it was one way you could see lots of places yeah exactly definitely yeah yes travel around the country driving a lorry yeah <laughs> a bit of Bruce Springsteen yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so there's something there's something about traveling yeah there's something about when you're saying lying on a beach is it lying on a beach under the sun? Is it somewhere nice and warm? Uh, it can be anywhere. I'll, I'll sit on a beach in any weathers. <laughs> Being near the sea. Yeah. 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 And, okay. and I definitely like, so we have a, um, I know you've got a camper van, we've got a camper van as well. And the best holidays we've had are when we've been like traveling, like rather than just going to one place. So when we first got together, we'd only been together about a year. We went to Australia and travelled around Australia for we only we were only out there for a month. We weren't we didn't take a like a gap year or whatever, but spent a month doing Melbourne, Sydney, Ayers Rock, Cairns. Wow. Uh, honeymoon we went to New Zealand and hired a, a um, camper van and travelled around New Zealand for a month. Um, since we've had our camper van, we've taken it to Sweden, sort of driven through Europe in it, and that's the, our best holidays. We've always been go to a place, see it, great, get in the van or get on the train or whatever, go to the next place. You know, I've, I've never been one for sort of like sitting in the same spot for too long. I, li- I like to go yeah. on adventures. And, adventures. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's just quite an interesting mix, isn't it, about um, mm. if, you've got your ch- if you've got your choice to do what yeah. you wanted to do yeah. and how can you sort of think about all that yeah, because we do a lot of walking as well. We did a lot of walking. So um, we've done the North Downs Way and the South Downs Way. Um, we started the Thames Towpath literally the weekend before the first lockdown. It was the weekend of Cheltenham. Because oh. the start is not far from Cheltenham. We, we're not into racehorse at all, so I have no idea. But it was that weekend of Cheltenham that they then had called the lockdown afterwards. So we did like the first, I can't remember how many miles the first section was. And from this sort of like mouth of the, sort of not them off the start of the Thames in the country and then we haven't gone any further because of lockdown and all the rest of it and we've also been over the last sort of like 10 years been bit by bit walking the southwest coast path as well so we've got as far as nearly got as far as Land's End and that was one of the, my first two thoughts I got the diagnosis is are we still going to be able to complete the Thames towpath from the southwest coast path and will I ever get through a four, yet four hour Bruce Springsteen concert ever again <laughs> They were my two biggest concerns. <laughs> I think you can. I think you can do them. Yeah, you can do them. Yeah. So I wanted to get around the Welsh coastal path. Yeah. Which I think is very difficult, and I think I was probably expecting a little bit too much of myself. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, I've had to kind of put that on the back burner. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. Um, but that's okay, you know. And I might do it in chunks. 
Yeah, yeah. You can just chop things up and do them differently. Yeah, like doing the towpath. Yeah, do the towpath. Yeah, but do it in smaller chunks and have a nice hotel. Yeah, because it's flat. That that shouldn't be. I'm hoping that'll be a sort of like I'll be able to complete that still. The southwest coast path because it's a bit like up and down. I'm a bit like, but I still I really really want to do it. So I'm gonna try and find a way to carry on. One, one again, once I've got treatment sorted and it's stabilised, I've got my head around it a lot more. That'll be my yeah. um, working out how we can complete that. So, yeah, is that the one that goes round um, St Ives as well? Yeah, so it starts. Uh, I think it starts at Minehead and goes all the way round to Paul in Dorset. But we start because we we're just in the Cornish part of it um, to start with. So we started off at Heartland Quay, which is sort of near the Devon corner Cornwall border. And then we're going to do the Cornish bit. And then we said once we finish the Cornish bit, we'll then do the two the Devon and Somerset bits to finish it off. So we're kind of like doing it doing the middle section, but. Um, yeah. So, uh, and like I said, we're so close to Land's End, and it's just like, and now I've got this diagnosis, and it's like, <laughs> You'll be able to do it. And it's one of the things I've got down on my um, being big, bold, and brave about stuff mm. and going out and getting a team together. I wanted to get a team together of people mm. that could do it in phases, yeah. whatever challenge, um, yeah. and open it up. But I think other people have organized stuff like that. And I don't really want to do the organising of it. So yeah. I might just join in somebody else's <laughs> take advantage of it. So. Yeah. But I, I, I'm one of those people, I always need to have a challenge. I always need to be aiming for something. And, you know, I, I think I'm, reala- you know, I'm realising now that I might not be able to aim as high as, one, as I once did, but I can still have aims and I can still, and the challenges might be not the challenges I was necessarily anticipating but I will you know get through them and have aims and still try and find things to achieve even if the old me would have found it really easy and wouldn't see it as a challenge or name my new me will be like nope that's I'm gonna go for that thing yeah because that's hard work for you yeah yeah so it's it's not an easy transition to do but you are doing amazingly you really are You know, everything that you're thinking and the way that you're approaching it. Um, You know, I just think you're an inspiration. Yeah. (laughs) People who are maybe struggling with their diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to admit, I've only, since the whole thing started, there's only once I came close to tears and that was when I went for a walk. And I came home and I could barely walk. It was the first time I've been out for a walk where I could barely, I literally came home, my legs felt really heavy. I could barely walk. And I'd only been for like a mile around the block. And I got home and I was like nearly in tears. And my husband had cooked dinner. He said, sit down, have some dinner, eat it care of me. And that's, I've not sat down and bawled my eyes out. And I feel like I should at some point, but I'm like, and there's times I feel like I want to do that. But then I'm like, give yourself a kick up the backside get on with life, yeah. get on with it, you know, you've been dealt this hand, you know, okay, let's make the most of it. And that's the attitude I'm trying to, you know, and some days are better than others. Some days are easier than others, but, you know, I think the biggest challenge for me has got to be the cha- change in mindset and 
that's something I'm still working on, but I've definitely over the last sort of like couple, sort of couple of months starting to get my head around that. So yeah, yeah. And you don't have to you don't have to cry. Yeah. You know, just because we go through a cycle of grieving for yeah. who we used to be and that's part of the whole grieving process. It doesn't have to involve any crying at all. Yeah. If that's not the person that you typically are, you yeah. can still feel things yeah. without having to have a damn good cry. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it, it just feels like I should do. <laughs> like, like I should try to sit in a dark room and just pull my eyes out because it is a shit deal that, you know, I've been given. We've all our MSs have been given. But I guess that's in my head, I think, well, that's not going to achieve anything. So, you know. <laughs> and I know for yeah. some people that is how they their way of coping and I'm not disparaging that at all by any means but for me personally it's like no give myself a kick up backside yeah because emotions are something that everybody experiences yeah and people think that's a bad emotion and that's a good emotion but that's really not the case because yeah. I've just been on a learning session earlier today and the guy that was running the session he's and it, it was so it really made sense he said what there are are comfortable emotions and uncomfortable mm. emotions nothing's bad and nothing's good an emotion is just an emotion mm, and yeah. our responses to that emotion is an individual thing nobody can say when you feel sad sad equals crying because that is not what it equals yeah. It's an emotion and you know what you feel and where you feel it. Yeah, I suppose different people feel different, you know, different differently and react differently and yeah, yeah. different responses, different yeah. feelings in yeah. response to different emotions. Yeah. And so it's just it feels uncomfortable. But the what I'm feeling yeah. is I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling sad. Yeah. yeah. If you know that's what you're feeling, you don't necessarily have to take follow through and yeah. automatically, you know, if it's happy emotion, you don't need to automatically bellow out and start laughing, you yeah. know, and likewise if it's sad, you don't need to start crying. But yeah. if you can recognize what the emotion is, yeah. then that's half the battle. Yeah. Just knowing that that's what you're feeling yeah. and stopping, that's absolutely yeah. fine. And I think a good sense of humour as well. Like you've you got know, to laugh at it. Yeah, I've always been one of those people that laughs at the bad times. You know, because yeah, you know, yeah when it gets to that point, we think, well, what else can I do but laugh? You know. So I think you know, have a like my husband jokes because I've never done the cooking. I'm the worst cook ever. So and like he he always says, oh, he he does a. I'm, like a lot of the looking after of me anyway before this so he said for him he's like well nothing else has changed we've always been useless and nothing else you know we have that laugh and a joke and you know yeah that's, you know how we get through it and i think that's important keep your sense of humor going you've got to you've got to keep your sense of humor going yeah yeah, yeah. definitely definitely yeah. So. Yeah. It's like when I went for my lumbar puncture, they had um, 
like relaxation. You know, like some music they play when you go to the spa, that kind of relaxation. And the nurse said to me, oh, if, you know, we have this on, but I'll, be, I'll switch it off if you want. I said, no, no, I'll just pretend I'm here for a massage. And then and then afterwards, because my lumbar puncture went off about an hour and a half and it took them ages, they really struggled to get the needle in. So it wasn't... Um, a, a particularly pleasant experience, shall we say? And I said after as well, that's the worst massage I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. You know, it's like you've got to laugh. You know? <laughs> I've just been jumped in the back with you know for an hour and a half. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah with this whacking grit needle. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is a really important message. Yeah. So, and I think something that I hope people could take that away, just yeah. the, the fact that we need to have the ability to laugh through this yeah and yeah. get through it so. yeah. yeah oh maddie it's been so nice talking to you today yeah it's good talking to you too bon <laughs> so and really appreciate all your insights into those early days yeah. of being diagnosed with ms i really yeah. do thanks ever so much for joining me thank you <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please, can you help to grow the audience? If you can subscribe, rate, review this podcast, it all helps. And if you'd like to get in touch or just send me an email, you can do that by emailing hello at multiplesuccess.co.uk. The address will also be in the show notes.